Hi, this is Dr. John Day, and welcome to the Longevity Plan Podcast. This is podcast number 244, the three most dangerous over-the-counter medications and how to get off them. So just because you can buy medicine without a prescription doesn't mean it's safe. In this podcast, I'm going to share three of three of the most dangerous, at least what I consider the three most dangerous over-the-counter medications, and then I'm going to offer some simple solutions on how you can get off them or avoid these drugs. Now, as a disclaimer, please, 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 please don't stop any medications without speaking to your doctor first. As with everything in life, your doctor can help you to weigh the risks versus benefits of any treatment. It is possible that your doctor has you on one of these drugs to prevent a life-threatening health condition. So please don't stop any of these if you're on any of these, but at least discuss it with your doctor if you are on one of them. So let's jump in. You ready? Number one, proton pump inhibitors. We're talking about Prilosec, Prevacid, and Nexium. Proton pump inhibitors, or PPIs, are a multi-billion dollar industry. No other stomach acid blocking medication comes anywhere close to PPI drugs with regards to efficacy. As 60% of all Americans experience acid reflux in any given year, and that's a huge number, it is no wonder why PPI drugs are so popular. While PPI drugs, and that's proton pump inhibitors in case you've forgotten, While PPI drugs may help to prevent cancer in people with a diagnosis of Barrett's esophagus, a new study this past week showed that taking PPI drugs increases your risk of stomach cancer. If the risk of stomach cancer wasn't frightening enough, my former Stanford professor, Dr. John Cook, recently published a study showing that PPI drugs can wear out your heart, they can wear out your brain, they can wear out your kidneys. Studies also show that PPI drugs block the absorption of crucial vitamins and minerals for health like magnesium, iron, vitamin B12, calcium, and vitamin C. Perhaps this explains why PPI drug use is associated with an increased dementia risk. Lastly, PPI drugs have been shown in studies to wreak havoc on the gut flora. With all of these risks, why do people still take PPI drugs? Well, speaking as someone who used to gobble down PPI drugs, yes, I'm a former user, and I used to take it for my eosinophilic esophagitis, PPI drugs allowed me freedom from acid reflux chest discomfort without having to change my lifestyle. In my case, eliminating dairy, getting rid of of the junk food, and that's, of course, in addition to losing 35 pounds, cured me of my acid reflux. For most of my patients, just cleaning up their diet, getting rid of the junk, and losing weight has also got them safely off of PPI drugs. As one of the main causes of acid reflux is increased pressure within your abdomen, just losing weight, cutting out a few pounds, may be all that you need for your acid reflux cure without drugs. Now, I should point out here that just because you have acid reflux doesn't mean you should avoid dairy. Dairy and junk food, in addition to being overweight, were my acid reflux triggers. What it does mean is that you should look for your own specific acid reflux triggers or food allergies. You may have some of these. Maybe it's Mexican food. Maybe it's spicy food. Maybe it's whatever. Identify your triggers. Get rid of your trigger foods. And then 
you can get by without drugs. And if you lose weight, it may be that you might be able to go back to enjoying your Mexican food or your spicy food or whatever you enjoyed eating. Other natural treatment strategies for acid reflux include eating smaller meals. A lot of people, it's just a big meal that triggers it. Avoiding fatty foods. Staying away from anything with caffeine, whether that's soda pop, chocolate, etc. Sitting up for a few hours after eating. Perhaps it's eating an early dinner, increasing physical activity, or finding ways to embrace stress. Stress is a big cause of acid reflux for a lot of people. If, however, you must take a PPI drug, your doctor has told you that you must take it, make sure your doctor is aware that you're taking a PPI drug, and with everything, search for the minimally effective dose. Find the lowest dose of a PPI drug that will control your symptoms, control your situation. Um, Less is better. Okay, so that's number one, PPI drugs. The proton pump inhibitors, those were Prilosec, Prevacid, and Nexium, and those are the brand names. They're also the generic names, for example, like uh, Amiprazole, uh, Pantoprazole. These are Basically, these are the drugs that end in A-Z-O-L-E. Okay, number two, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. We call them the NSAIDs. That's non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. What are these? We're talking about Advil, Motrin, Aleve, etc. Ibuprofen. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or NSAIDs, can seem like a lifesaver to people with arthritis or musculoskeletal pain. As someone who used to suffer from an autoimmune disease, ankylosing spondylitis, which attacks the spine, neck, you know, my, my spine was always in a state of discomfort. NSAIDs, or in my case, Aleve, I found Aleve was the one that worked the best for me, is what helped me to get through my, my long days. The two main problems with NSAIDs are that they increase your risk of a heart attack and internal bleeding. Indeed, studies show that all NSAIDs increase your risk of a heart attack by about 50%. In addition to the heart attack risk, studies also show that NSAID users have up to a fourfold, fourfold increased risk of gastrointestinal bleeding. And they're also at significant risk of kidney failure. So taking too many of these can give you a heart attack, give you kidney failure, cause you to bleed internally. In my case, the two most important things that I did to dramatically uh, reduce my NSAID use was cleaning up my diet. Once again, it's amazing how diet is tied to so many of these things and losing 35 pounds. Once again, just getting that weight off, it unweighted my spine and I didn't need it so much anymore. As most people take NSAIDs for arthritis or musculoskeletal pain, getting back to a normal weight allows your joints to heal naturally. Your body wants to heal naturally. You just have to eliminate what's causing repetitive injury. Also, studies demonstrate that a Mediterranean diet, which is high in fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, legumes, fish, and olive oil, so it's not a pizza and pasta diet, but it's fruits, veggies, nuts, seeds, legumes, fish, and olive oil, significantly reduces the risk of arthritis. Another thing to remember is that other natural ingredients like turmeric or capsaicin are both proven remedies for arthritis pains. And I've done podcasts. I've done blogs and podcasts on both of these. So don't forget about turmeric, capsation, and some of these others. As with the PPI drugs, those are the proton pump inhibitors, the acid suppressing drugs, if you must take an NSAID, these are the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, make sure your doctor knows. And always shoot for the lowest dose possible to keep your pain under control. Don't overdo it. Also, make sure you're well hydrated so that you don't 
injure your kidneys and take them on a full stomach, which can help to decrease your risk of gastrointestinal bleeding. So we've covered number one, number two. Now it's on to number three, the sedating antihistamines. We're talking about Benadryl, Tylenol PM, diphenhydramine, etc. The sedating antihistamines are those antihistamine cold and allergy medicines that basically put you to sleep. While there are a number of these sedating antihistamines, the most commonly used is diphenhydramine. That's the that's the generic name. The brand name would be Tylenol, PN, or Benadryl. Right up there with melatonin, diphenhydramine is one of the most frequently used over-the-counter sleep medications. Personally, I still struggle to resist this medication. I've always had troubles both falling asleep and staying asleep. Perhaps it is mostly a placebo effect, but at least in my experience, if I even take just a quarter of a tablet of diphenhydramine, I will effortlessly fall asleep and stay asleep during the night. While I have never suffered from the diphenhydramine hangover effect the next day, many people do. My wife is one of them. This hangover effect could put you at risk for a motor vehicle accident. The reason why diphenhydramine made my list of the three most dangerous over-the-counter medications isn't because of this possible hangover effect, even though it could potentially put you at risk for a motor vehicle accident, but it's because of the long-term side effects. Many studies now show that long-term diphenhydramine use increases the risk of cognitive impairment. In other words, we're talking about dementia, and, and that makes sense. I mean, if you're constantly trying to put your brain to sleep with these drugs, what kind of an effect is it having day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year? And if dementia wasn't bad enough, this drug might all also increase the risk of premature death, cancer, and depression. And that's been, diphenhydramine has been linked to those other three, uh, early death, cancer, depression, and other studies. Now, once again, correlation doesn't prove causation. If you'll notice, I didn't say it caused those things. I said it's been linked or associated with it. In all of these diphenhydramine studies, it's impossible to know whether it was the drug that caused all of these bad things to happen, or maybe it's the result of a lifetime of insomnia and sleep deprivation. For example, we know that long-term sleep deprivation can put you at risk for these same things. So is it the drug or is it people who are suffering from sleep issues their entire life that puts them at risk for these things. So I need to be clear here that it is the sedating antihistamines that carry a possible dementia risk. If you need to take antihistamines, say for example, seasonal allergies, be sure to always take the non-sedating antihistamines like Claritin or Allegra. And I haven't seen Claritin or Allegra linked to all these other bad things like I have with the sedating antihistamines. If you are currently taking a sedating antihistamine like Tylenol, PM, Benadryl, etc., do everything possible to wean yourself off of this or any other sleeping pill. And it's not just these. It's any of these sleeping pills. Ambien, uh, you name it. Any of these prescription sleeping pills are linked to premature death, dementia, etc. And now while I have published many insomnia hacks in previous uh, articles, and I've talked about them on previous blogs. And if you want links to all those, just go onto my website, drjohnday.com, find blog number 244. I have found that restricting caffeine, so making sure that if, if I take any caffeine, any dark chocolate, whatever, that it's only first thing in the morning. And then if I'm exercising hard outside, I find it's the outside exercise. Um, perhaps it's because I, I push myself harder when I'm outside, or maybe it's getting that natural sunlight during the day that's helping it. And then probably the most important is that when I go to bed at night, 
I don't have any to-do assignments hanging over my head. And so if I can do those three things, restrict caffeine, exercise hard outside, and eliminate any to-dos that might be hanging over my head, then I find that I'm able to sleep naturally at night. And if I do feel the overwhelming urge to take something before sleep, I'm really trying to only reach for melatonin and magnesium. These are both natural substances. They've been shown in clinical studies to have uh, a benefit uh, to people with insomnia, and they don't seem to have all of these long-term potential negative side effects that the sedating antihistamines, or for that matter, any, and I underline any, any, any prescription sleep medication has been associated with all sorts of long-term problems. So practical tips, any pill, and that doesn't matter if it's a pharmaceutical agent, over-the-counter drug, or even a supplement, any pill can have significant side effects. My personal bias is to avoid taking a pill whenever possible. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes your doctor prescribes it. I understand. But if you have a choice, if it's an optional thing, try to find a natural solution whenever possible to treat your health challenges. Indeed, I am now a firm believer in the quote from the father of medicine, Hippocrates, who said more than 2,000 years ago, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. So do you take any of these over-the-counter medications? I'd love to hear from you. Go onto my website, drjohnday.com and find blog number 244. Scroll down to the bottom. Leave your thoughts. Leave your questions in the comment section below. The comment section will be open for 30 days and During those 30 days, I will be sure to go on and answer every question posted. If you enjoyed this article, please be sure to read our book, The Longevity Plan. You'll love it. It still has a 5.0 rating on Amazon. It's still doing well. If you haven't yet read it, you'll want to do it. Also, subscribe to our newsletter. There you can get a lot of information that's never covered on this podcast or Just subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already and keep listening. And until next week, keep living better. Thank you for listening to the Dr. John Day Show. Now is the time for you to live better. Go to drjohnday.com to sign up for Dr. Day's newsletter, daily success tools, and more. It's never too late to change. 